You are listening to the Red Roots Podcast. Good morning, good morning. Good morning, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I had a false start. I was going to say then the music wasn't done enough, I guess. So I was like, oh, everybody doing well? Yep. Yeah. Everything good. Happy election day for the U.S. people here. Yeah. That's not Simon, basically. I voted already, like, weeks ago. Yeah. That's a good, that's been the good thing this year. There's been a huge early turnout. Like, uh, I think as in the state of Texas, more people voted early this year than voted, uh, than the total amount voted in 2016, which is, you know, a good thing. I think, because there was a horrible representation. Horrible representation. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> like, horrible <laughs> representation in uh, 2016. It was, it was a very, very low turnout. And I think, I don't know, it's a good thing. People vote and uh, Americans can get what they want. You know what I mean? Because I think, I, I, it's always unsettling to me when, like, there's a very low turnout and somebody wins just because no one cared who won. Yeah. You know what I mean? But then you're, you have to deal with the consequences of that for four years. Yeah. But then when, like, millions and millions and millions of Americans turn out, I don't know how many potential voters there are. Highest, highest for a century, apparently. Yeah, highest turnout for a century already, mm-hmm. and that's wow. not even good. And that's, but I think that's the way it should be. Um, yeah, I do. I, some people disagree with this, but I do understand why people don't vote because mm. it's like, I don't know. There's a lot of different circumstances and points of view that I do get. However, I, I do like when a lot of people vote, and then that, that's my thing. Is I know everyone's not going to vote, and I, you know that's fine. But I think I like when a lot of people vote, and then like you really get what America want. Well. Electoral college, so majority of anyway, that's a whole different thing. But yeah, I mean, more than you know, kind of like make your voices heard type thing. And because if like ten people vote in the United States and somebody wins the presidency, it's I just feel like it's illegitimate because America didn't vote. You know what I mean? So I think it's important for uh, Americans to vote or whatever. So uh, not uh, yeah, you know what I'm saying Um, to. Like for a lot of people to turn out and stuff like that and and Mm -hmm. to really see what does America really want. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. I feel like this election is a little different from last election because last election, no one wanted any of them to win. I feel like everyone was just like, man, why were we given these two options, these two candidates? And this time... Um, people definitely know who they want to win, you know. Yeah, or lose. Or lose, Like, it's yeah. about winning. Or, it's a, I mean, this election's about Trump. Either you want Trump to win or you want Trump to lose. That's what it's really about. It's, um, I don't know. It, it, it's just a mess. Like, it, it, it just turned into a mess. I saw a thing where there's a senator who I respected from Florida, and he was basically saying something about uh, it's a good job. Like, they're doing these campaigns, these uh, parades or whatever, where they all drive together on different interstates, which, you know, that's fine. But they saw a bus of the opponent, and they they tried to supposedly, allegedly tried to run the bus off the road. And, like, it just, it, like, just it's literally gangs. Yeah. But these are the same people who are, like, you know, uh, want to throw all the gang, you know what I mean? Like, anyone, if anyone else did that for any other reason, they would want to throw them under the prison. And so it's just gone too far. Like, it's just gone too far. Like, this is just... And we've given politicians way too much power mm-hmm. as well. This, they are public servants. And so we, we, it's our job to demand uh, excellence from them and to, ban- to demand what we want. It's not our job to just vote them in and do whatever they say on any, for any candidate. That's not the way it's supposed to work. But that's yeah. what it's become. And so the United States has... Uh, I saw someone else say that um, 
the United States, if something, something happens, if such and such wins, then the United States won't be number one in the world. And I was just like, that's the United States isn't number one in the world in anything right now, except for military spending, maybe. But other education, not number one. Like, you know what I mean? There's like, we're just not number one in anything. And so it's like that whole. Maybe basketball. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, but according to these people, that stuff doesn't matter. You know, like according to. And that LeBron James sucks. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. Which is like, what is it? The thing we're tackling the real issues. <laughs> like a grief, Unified, man. Unified, right? It's just so it's so absurd, man. Like that. I we need a third party, and then the two parties that are need to get back on track. And it doesn't matter if you agree with them, but it's good for everybody when there's a, a healthy uh, tension between the two. Yeah. But this is just fighting. It's hate, yeah. Yeah, it's just hate and fighting, and then no one cares about us as the people. Mm. They're just using us as the people to beat the other party. But and then that's you what it's see us the people fighting too. Because right, of, well, because, you know, right, exactly. But that's that my point vote. is we give them too much power yeah. and we're following what, and that's not the way. Like when they start doing that stuff, we have the ability to, to dismiss both of them mm. and like demand, like now we're not doing this. But we don't, like, that's what I'm saying is we, we're not called to follow in that sense. You know what I mean? These leaders or whatever. And that's not what we're called to demand from them. And that's mm. not what we do. And so. It's just the whole thing has been become inverted or, or perverted, even in some ways. Yeah. And um, I don't know. It's a mess. God bless America and every place else. Yeah. I suppose. <laughs> and so, every place else. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, um, so that's today. I know a lot of people are on edge and nervy and whatever. By the time some people listen to this, it'll probably have been over anyways. Mm-hmm. But, um, but maybe you listen to it this morning because we upload it right away. And if so, then hopefully we can distract you a little bit from the madness that is. And people are talking about civil war. Like some people are t- taking this serious. Like, no, I saw um, news that um, major companies and chains are boarding up their their storefronts for riots and for such. Riots, yeah. <sighs> God, sounds like Bolivia. <laughs> <laughs> we all started, not we, but you know, people have started. Yeah. Preparing for those things too. Mm. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, there's so much stuff to talk about with that, but that's not what this podcast is going to be about. So, what is today's episode going to be about? Today's episode is brought to you by. Okay. <laughs> so, Simon, <do laughs> that's what wanna... happens when you give me the, the reins. <laughs> but you, you, you're able to talk at any point ever. It's like, you act it's like, like when you give someone like a high vis jacket and a clipboard, suddenly they turn into a different person. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> give me a little bit of power. I will take it's it. It's not even like you're part of the podcast, you've been on here for a year. No, so, okay, I have uh, a question that I wanted to all of us to discuss that I feel like it's a good question, right? Um, So as missionaries, as believers, we are called to make disciples. That is just a commandment that's us being obedient to God. Make disciples. Um, So what does that look like? So you get saved. How long do you wait before you make that priority like make put that into action okay i'm saved now i have to start making disciples is there like a time period um and how do you go about doing that oh okay so are we talking about in terms of missions or just in general i, I would say in terms of missions because well, this is a mission you say if you just get saved well never mind well then maybe we could just discuss that later okay all right or because it is a good question or you mean what are your expectations for the people that you disciple at what point do you expect them to start making disciples because that's you can't say that you do discipleship if you just disciple five people and that's just what you do for the next twenty years and then there's no multiplication there. Yeah, I mean, let's talk about it all. I didn't think about that much. Okay, well, 
we're a team. So, all right, Simon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I guess first thing when you're arriving on the mission field, I think it's difficult because naturally you've joined, you've gone to the mission field with the with the mandate of making disciples, mm. and then you get there and you don't know anyone, you don't really speak the language, you don't know where you fit in yet. So I think naturally it takes a while before mm. before even that might even cross your head of like okay and then you've got to try and work out okay do i sit down do we sit down in a meeting okay okay ramon you're going to disciple so and so melinda you're going to disciple so and so simon you're going to disciple so and so or do you let it happen naturally yeah i think they're the, they're the two options that you have to consider is like okay do you try and plan discipleship or do you try and mm-hmm. try and make it happen naturally i've seen both work i've seen both fail mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if there is a right or wrong answer. I don't know if you have a preference. Can you talk about um, what when you've seen it work when it was planned? Because I don't know that I've ever seen mm. like a mutual agreement come and say, hey, you're going to disciple me. Hey, would you disciple me? Like, how does mm. that conversation begin and then develop? Go ahead. Sorry. So I've seen it like um, in terms of churches where you've got youth leaders and then young people and they kind of like, um, I don't want to call it online dating because that's a weird <laughs> analogy. It's a weird analogy, but it, it's kind of like you fill in a survey. Like the the young person will fill in like a questionnaire, and then uh-huh. the youth leader will fill in like a questionnaire, and they'll basically match match like match them up and say, okay, these people have stuff in common, so mm-hmm. they seem like they would generally click. So they'll go together, and then you you have like a two week kind of like trial period, I guess. Um, and then if at the end of it, you ask the young person, like, are you happy? Um, with this person, with the leader, and you like, ask the leader, like, are you happy with the relationship with them? With the so it's like person? a big brother, big sister yeah. program, yeah. big brother, little brothers program. Mm-hmm. So it's it's all intentional. Both parties go into this saying, I want I want to be connected with someone. Yeah. Okay, <clears throat> yeah, I've never had that at, at a church at my churches. So interesting. Okay, and do you said you've seen those work before? Yeah, you see them. Work. Sometimes they do. Sometimes they don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it completely depends on. The relationship that gets built uh, between the two, um, the leader as well, like how committed they are to it. Because I think sometimes people sign up for things like, oh, yeah, I'll help decide with someone and then realize it's a longer commitment than just a month. Mm-hmm. And so after a month, they start going, oh, I don't have time anymore. Yeah. Or they start off meeting like six times a week and then realize that actually that is really unsustainable. Uh, so let's drop it down to four and then it gets dropped even further, further and further. And then a disconnect happens as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I said, sometimes they, they absolutely take off, you know, and they become best of friends and, and it really does work. Yeah. I thought you were going to say something. No, no. I mean, at some point, I'm going to say something. I always found it awkward, like if I wanted someone to disciple me, like to to just go ahead and ask them, you know, mm. <laughs> I'm always, it's like that. It's like wanting to ask someone again back to the dating thing like hey would you be my boyfriend <laughs> no you always think that you're gonna get rejected well, <laughs> like, yeah. no i'm just saying like that's that is what it, like well yeah, yeah. No. and i think that's a, a pro between like if you find out who's interested in being discipled and you find out which leaders are interested in discipling someone then you've already naturally like broken down that awkward barrier yeah of okay look, we're all here yeah, for this, this. Yeah, this is why we're all here. Well, so no one's going to get rejected yeah. um, or left behind. So yeah, yeah. I think, I think with informal, the other one that you're talking about, like the more informal, like just letting it happen, 
it can happen, but I think the person has to be like the leader or whatever has to be intentional about yeah. it because it doesn't like we've seen that a million times, right? It's like, oh, we just you just have people around forever, mm-hmm. and that but we never really intentionally talk about Jesus and stuff like that. That's something yeah. that you know we've been confronting in our church. It's just having people around forever and never having any intention of like sharing hope with them. It's not even about indoctrinating them. That's mm-hmm. the way that people see it, but it's not that. It's about like, man, like if you have this hope, like this eternal hope, why are you not sharing it with people? Like, you know what I mean? What's the point? What are you doing? And so you just have these people that just hang out together yeah. and no one ever grows for 10 years. And so it's like, okay, well, that's not discipleship. <laughs> so like it can just happen in a healthy church, in a healthy group or a healthy setting. But, um, it won't just happen if that if those things are healthy or if you don't have the culture of discipleship mm-hmm. and unashamedness or whatever the, whatever the word is of of like talking about and sharing the gospel and not even like hey sit down let me talk to you about Jesus not not even that like yeah. but like just definitely growing in that because it's like a natural there there is a natural flow to it and it should be natural for those of us who um, are, are supposedly mature believers, like because mm. that's, that's something that's just part of our everyday language. We don't look for opportunities to not talk about Jesus. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And we don't even have to look for opportunities to talk about Jesus. That's just what, that's just a big, a major part of who we are. It's central to who we are. So it overflows from whatever. And that's something that we've seen in our church is people that look for opportunities to not talk about Jesus. Mm-hmm. And it's like, wait a minute, well, what are you then? Because, but then on the other side of it, you have people that they feel that pressure and it's not that either. Like, it's like, okay, this is, this is who we are. We are believers. And if this is not who, if, if this is not who you are, if this is not something that oozes, like if the grace of God is not something that's big enough that it seeps from your pores, mm-hmm. then you haven't experienced the grace of God. And I, I, it's a, it, there's a fine line there it's, because it seems like I'm saying you have to go out and feel pressured, but that's not the thing. You, you shouldn't feel pressured. It should, it should be a part of your everyday living. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it can definitely work both ways. But then it's like, too, what is the goal of discipleship is, you know, you can say maturity in the faith. But what does maturity in the faith look like? It looks like loving uh, basically people that don't look like you. And then we have to, we can define love, you know, all this other stuff. But loving is sharing the gospel. It's forgiving and whatever. And it's building this community that they shall know you by your love for one another, right? And so that's that's what Christian maturity looks like is loving people that don't look like you. So like I even get the perspective of mat, the matchmaker yeah. perspective, but even to a point of that, that has to be like you know what I mean. It has to come off of like the people that we're compatible with, mm-hmm. because that's what the gospel is really loving your neighbors about is loving people that aren't like me. And so I definitely, I totally get, I'm not, I'm even in agreement with it of like, Hey, let's find somebody that maybe you can, you know, find some common stuff. And, but then, and I don't, I'm not even criticizing because I don't know in this situation, but we have to get to a place to where we, uh, not even provide opportunities, but we encourage and push people to, um, not just seek out connecting with people that look like us, but look, and this is what we talked about in church a few weeks ago, right? Um, people, a seek out community that the, our common thread is Jesus, you know, um, because and again, like we talked about, um, if we if we build this based on things that we have in common, then it's going to ex- exclude people that don't have those things in common with mm-hmm. us. You know what I mean? And that's not the gospel's not exclusive in that way. It's inclusive in Jesus so that, you know, we don't there's no room for well, oh, holiness is yes holiness is important but inclusive inclusivity healing inclusivity i think nt Wright puts it that way um but it's you know with has a goal or whatever of jesus and redemption and whatever but definitely accepting of of people from all different 
uh, walks and preferences and colors and ethnicities and jobs and, you know, um, uh, what is it called? Uh, tax brackets, I guess is the best way you can say, whatever, you know. Yeah. And uh, so it's a, com- it's a complex thing. You know, I think we make it way more complex than what it is. Yeah, I, I but, think about like Jesus. He didn't choose any disciples that were qualified, right? Yeah, they weren't quote, none of them were like him. Um, and he was just very direct, like, hey, follow me. I'm going to make you a fish of men. And then it began, you know, the journey. Yeah. And then it ended. Did it end after he died and they continued on? Or were they I mean, discipling did, people while no, they were uh, being discipled? Yeah, well, they had a community. So there's like, what, 70-some people around Jesus at this, like, you know. I, I mean, they had big events. But I think peak, Jesus' crowd is like 70-some 70, 70 people, right? Because then they send them out and all this other stuff. Like 70 to 100 people, we can say that, that are just around. And so, I mean, yes, Jesus is teaching them, but you got to understand like that they're having conversations amongst themselves and stuff too, mm-hmm. and they're growing, and they're not just uh, like bottom feeding Jesus. You know what I mean? Like the, at this point, like they're growing in their faith, yes, but uh, Jesus does have expectations for them to like to like. So that's why he gets mad when he's praying in the garden and they're they're sleeping. So he has expectations for them of spiritual maturity to do these practices and stuff. So, and you got to believe that in that 70 hundred whatever people that they are praying for one another growing and uh giving one another well, remember when jesus said the other day this this and this mm-hmm. well the old testament said you know so that is happening and and within that community and so i think that informally because it's a healthy community that they're already this discipleship is already happening mm-hmm. but then he says like he gives this you know this mandate like hey <laughs> I'm headed out, guys, but, you know, go and make disciples of all nations because now it's mostly a Jewish movement, right? And you see a few Gentile things here and there, but it's mostly a Jewish uh, nation. So he's like, expand this, like blow this up of all nations and teach them what I've taught you. Like, so he's giving the mandate, the mandate of of discipleship of, because I think, and this is just me thinking in a moment, so I could be completely off and heretical or something, but I think in the, uh, it would have been easy for them to stay in their community and just be like, oh, Jewish people, yeah, yeah. Jesus, we followed you. And, and definitely, like, follow Jesus. But Jesus is like, no, expand this, and I want you to be intentional about teaching. Because it's easy to disciple within the church. But now he's sending in to people that all these people that have been raised like you, that believe like you, they've memorized the same scriptures as you, they celebrate the same holidays. But now he's sending them out to cultures who have different gods, who pagan stuff, and they, you know, different cultures, different languages, and, and all this other stuff. And he's like, that's what the day of Pentecost is about. It's like the gospel going out in every language. That's when they're speaking in tongues. Everybody hears the gospel in their language. So that it's, it's not even about the miracle of tongues as much as it is the gospel going out in everyone's language. Mm-hmm. And they're hearing the gospel and it's spreading this and promoting discipleship essentially to the nations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so um, that's what, you know, so Jesus is now sending them out on this mission, this intentional mission of uh, being intentional about and consciously making disciples because it's been comfortable, com- comfortable, <laughs> comfortable. We say comfortable, but I'm reading it in my head for some reason. It's comfortable, <laughs> comfortable. They've been comfortable until now somewhat because they're under Jesus. Jesus is there and like, oh, yeah, yeah. And like, he, you know, he's, he's super wise and he's witty and he's intelligent and he's perceptive and he's discerning. And so he knows like what to respond to people when they're asking. The Pharisees are asking them questions they don't have the answer to. Jesus chimes in with the story and whatever. So they've been somewhat insulated and protected, which is what the beginning stages of discipleship looks like mm. for a while. 
because the you know you have the leader who is doing that for them. But now he's at the point like, okay, you guys, uh, it's time to like you've been growing, and you you've grown to the point to where you're not going to stop growing. But that's why community is important. You're going to continue being discipled. But now you need to branch out and make this thing blow up. And so I've discipled twelve of you intentionally and 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 and, and deeply. But then even on a greater scale, there's been you know, a, a hundred, a few hundred or whatever affected on a deeper level, not as deep as disciples, but like on a deeper level than the other 5,000 or whatever, you know, on, that they fed and all that. And so like, I want you guys to take this and I want you to just, just blow this up. Like, this is why. And so he's like, I'm going to send up my Holy Spirit and I'm going to send that to you to empower you to be able to, do, you know. And so they go from that perspective. So I think like, I don't know. I forgot what your question was, but... <laughs> Um, the process, something. what is like the no, process? No, 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 you asked something oh. else just a second ago, and I was responding to it. Oh, but anyways, okay. yeah, well, that took me here. And so, um, but yeah, no, I think, like, I think it's important, well, first, I think it's important to understand how that all works and comes together and, like, how, you know, uh, what it's about. And it's not, like, oh, because you, and that's what you asked. You asked, is, um, were they discipling after, did they just start discipling after Jesus sent them right, or right. before? yeah. And I think maybe as like taking the lead probably after, but they were doing it without realizing it that before, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They were part of this, this commu- discipleship community or whatever without realizing it. And that's the thing too, is discipleship a lot of times starts without the other person even knowing it. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes, yeah, it's definitely like, oh, okay, we're here to match us up with our disciplers and disciplees or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that's, which is completely fine. But then other times you're building a relationship and the person doesn't realize until they're a mature believer. Oh, yeah, he discipled me for the past five years. Yeah. Like, you know, and a lot of times discipleship comes before conversion. It's like Jesus says, follow me. He doesn't say repeat after me. Mm-hmm. Like he says, you know, follow me, you know, blah, blah, blah. Get, or what does he say we talked about on Sunday to Matthew? Uh, I think he says, follow me. That's all he says or something like that. And Matthew drops everything. And so they, they understood what Jesus was saying. So like when I was a kid. Somebody taught me that like they just they just miraculously followed, but they knew like what they knew what they, what that he's a teacher, and they right. like in the culture like that was the thing you wanted to be picked, but it was kind of late for some of these guys to be picked, which is the cool thing is like they're not necessarily qualified like you said in in various ways, but Jesus is saying follow me. I know I remember hearing that as a teenager, and I'm just like stranger danger, stranger danger. <laughs> it's like some yeah. random man comes up to because they don't teach you that yeah. that. You know, people want to be chosen to yeah. be, you know, this discipled or, or like mentored or, you know, because that's what they did with the priests, right? Mm-hmm. Like the but priests yeah, chose the col- someone. Yeah. In, well, in the culture is centered around, like you understand, it's a, it's a uh, theocratic, what, like it's centered around like God and the temple and the like cleanliness, you know what I mean? And doing these rituals and stuff. And so that was the apex of, of society is like when you're a kid, that was playing in the NBA yeah. is you get picked by a, you know, a rabbi or rabbi, whatever to yeah. be discipled by them. And so it's like, you know, you have these guys. So you have Matthew, who's a tax collector. He's just said, screw it. Like he's got he's like uh, <laughs> he's like sold out, you know what I mean? To like to to his own like to the Romans to against his own people, like collecting taxes on behalf of the Romans and all this. stuff. He's a bad guy. Like everyone would hate this guy. Mm-hmm. And so he's completely like. Just said, forget it. Like he's given up. But then Jesus comes and he's giving him a second chance at not just uh, definitely from sin and all that stuff and redemption, but equally on a cultural level of a person that is unusable and not only unusable, this person is unsavable. So he's unsavable. And Jesus is now welcoming, as we know now, which is salvation, but equally uh, qualifying this guy who was essentially the devil 
to the Jewish people and, and making him to be a leader of the new, like of this new movement of discipleship and stuff. And so it's very, it's very radical what's happening. And so, yeah, definitely when like he goes to a fisherman and is like, follow me. Oh, heck yeah. Like I thought 10 years ago or whatever. I don't know how old they were or whatever. You may know that. But uh, like their time had passed and they weren't going to get picked. Yeah. Like no one's going to pick those guys. You know what I mean? They just weren't, they, their families weren't fortunate. They didn't have, you know, they probably weren't the greatest students and stuff when, when they were younger. And cause that's what they studied. That's how they learned how to read is they read the law and all that stuff. Like it wasn't like they're like doing like reading like Huck Finn and stuff like that. Like, you know what I mean? Like they read, that's, that was their whole system was based on this. And so, you know, they, 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 they go that way and they, and Jesus comes and he calls them. And so it's already a radical calling to discipleship. And he's really turned the whole thing on his head of making these guys or qualifying these guys to be disciple makers of this new community that he's starting. Mm -hmm. And so then it, it sends us on the path of discipleship. I mean, no wonder he was considered a rebel, right? You're not doing things correctly. They're too old. Yeah. He's yeah. just counterculture. Like he's just, yeah. And he's not really counterculture. He's counter our culture. Right. <laughs> but he's like, yeah, he's, yeah. He, he's definitely like, like a kingdom cultural. Like, you know what I mean? Like that's, that is what it is. And he's basically rectifying things that we have either misinterpreted or abused or taken the wrong way. And that's all he's doing. He's not doing it just to be a rebel, like, or to be a rebel at all. I don't think he's doing it because it's right. And this is because God wants to be glorified in this way. And so... You know, and he's he's proven a point too, right? Like he's not picking the top students and whatever. Like it's the it's like when God picks Gideon, it says he's the lowest man of the lowest tribe. Like Gideon's a loser, but God uses him and, and turns him into this like great conqueror and like great tremendous leader. You know, and so God is doing the same thing with his disciples. These disciples as he's taking these people. Uh, some were just run the mill, like nobodies is what the culture would have seen them as. They're not bad. Yeah, they fish. Good guy, whatever. But like, he's not, you know. You're not the first pick. Yeah, yeah, they're not first, second, third pick. Like, by no means are they that. Um, not on the list. But then you even have people that are hated, and that you know you just have these extremes. And we talk about Simon, you know, not this Simon, but Simon. Uh, this not the oh, what's his name? Uh, Simon the. Uh, wait, I'm messing this up. I'm, I had to think Matthew and who we talk about church the other day. Levi. No, that's, oh, that's Matthew. Matthew. <laughs> And Matthew, is it Simon? I'm thinking Simon the Sorcerer, but it's obviously not him. He's in Acts. It's the disciple. Simon the si Zealot? The Zealot. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. Simon the Zealot, who is an overzealous nut job. He is a, he's killing people for, the, quote unquote, the kingdom of God. Like, you know what I mean? They carry daggers around and they would stab people if they saw him going against the law. And like, so, like, this is what we talked about in church. He would have stabbed Ma Matthew. Like, he would easily, easily would have killed Matthew because he's going against. So, they're defenders of you know, this Jewish culture and the godly stuff. And so he's a zealot. He's, oh, he's overkill. And like what Jesus is calling him to be a disciple as well. And then he has this other, like these other guys, this, this very strange, um, like group of diverse figures from different classes and different backgrounds and stuff like that. And I think in the long run, that's what our discipleship should look like. I mean, I, that's what it has to look like, you know, mm -hmm. is, and that's how, because you got to think about it. So you look at, uh, Matthew. Okay, we've well, used that example a bunch, so we'll stay there. What's the first thing Matthew does when Jesus calls him? Is he goes and he invites other tax collectors, and they have a party, and Jesus is there, and he's, you know, he's, Jesus is partying with the tax collectors, but he's teaching them mm -hmm. as well. And he refers to himself as a doctor, and who needs a doctor, the sick or the well? And so he's, so who can reach tax collectors better than a tax collector? Who can reach fishermen better than a fisherman? 
so on and so forth, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's the importance of diversity in church is because you have these different people groups and like Jesus, that's the point of the gospel is I want to reach all these in every, you know, in every, on every level of society. I don't really believe there's levels, but we, you yeah. know, in general society does. So on every level of every place of society. So like, I'm going to reach homeless people and Jesus could resonate with homeless people because he didn't, he didn't live anywhere. He says that I don't, you know, birds have nests, foxes have holes, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. And like, so he want, Jesus wants to, so when we have our churches and we do our discipleship, that's what it should look like is a very diverse group of people on every level. And then, yes, we raise them up and they make disciples of, and it, it, it does, it all ties in because it's like what you're saying, they're not looking for people who are compatible to them, but they're around people who relate to them. That's who just naturally who you're around in life. And so we have diversity in the church, which reflects the kingdom of heaven, every nation, tribe, tongue, all that stuff, every social, socioeconomic level. We have that unified as one, as a body of Christ in the church. And, you know, we can say in the four walls, but it's really just as a church body. We have that, which, which just screams the glory of God. Uh, the fact that people from all these, all these different areas can get along, not just get along, but they can love one another on an even and level playing field. So if I, I'm a, a very rich lawyer for an NBA or NFL team or a, a, a FIFA team, you know, whatever, a multi-billion dollar industry, but I can come to church and I can listen to a homeless guy preach the gospel and I can take notes by that. That is a miracle when that happens. And so that's what church is supposed to look like. But then homeless guy, lawyer, a trash man, uh, uh, unemployed guy, like, you know, all these people uh, are now going to their spheres of influence and they're influencing these for the kingdom of God. And so discipleship, you know, it, it, diversity and discipleship go big time hand in hand. Mm-hmm. But however, everybody is on mission in that sense. I don't, we're way off of the topic. Right, kind of. I mean, not answering the question. But, okay, since we're, we're, we are... But we're t- explaining, like, what discipleship is first. Yeah. And then. You um, mentioned when you were making your list, oh, you said trash guy, something, homeless man. What, you, you, what do you guys say? You mentioned uh, Sorry. garbage, trash rubbish guy. man. Rubbish man? Rubbish <laughs> man. Is that what you say? Yeah. Garbage man, rubbish Gar- man. You say garbage man? Yeah. Okay, we do say that. Oh, we, we say trash. Um, yeah. I know you didn't intentionally mean this, but you mentioned all men, um, and I think that well, I'm just referring to the culture. No, I know, I know. Yeah, I said yeah. you didn't. Yeah, yeah. You didn't mean anything by excluding. You didn't exclude women. Um, but how I know how I feel about this. But how do you guys feel about maybe a very mature, older woman discipling a younger man, a younger man, like a teenage boy or yeah, somebody I, in their twenties? I'm not a fan of that. Okay. What does the Bible say, though? I don't know. Okay. What do you I, think the Bible says about it? I mean, I. I don't, I, the, the, I don't think the Bible is the issue. No. I think... What's the biblical approach then? <laughs> yeah, well, the biblical... Again, we have this, this system that is supposed to be a functioning body. Mm-hmm. And obviously women are involved. And it doesn't mean that men... Like, I don't want to go to that extreme of men can't speak to women and women can't speak to men. That's not what mm-hmm. I'm saying. But as far as, like, spending these intimate moments and time together, I just don't know if it's a wise idea. Yeah, that would be my... It's not wise. It as well. Yeah, I just wouldn't. I wouldn't mix genders just because yeah. your discipleship you're saying is you. You need to look at it like a, it's a twenty four seven role that you're playing. Mm-hmm. You know, you're you're invested in someone's life. You're there for that person in their best moments, but also in their worst moments. Mm. Um, and I think crossing genders, you just you put up potential issues for the future. You put mm-hmm. up things that might cause someone to stumble 
uh, in the future. And I think that can be avoided by just not mixing yeah. genders. Um, Even with such an age gap. Right? Yeah, 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 but yeah, I mean, yeah it absolutely. Doesn't, it doesn't because matter. let's say you've got, you've got a, young, a young guy or a teenage boy whose mum isn't present at home. Yeah. And now all of a sudden he's being discipled by an old by mm-hmm. an old woman and all of a sudden he sees, you know, more than a mum figure. Like that woman, that nurturing woman that he's never had in his life, all of a sudden she represents that mm-hmm. for him. Um and I think that, you know, that potentially risks up problems as well. This weird like emotional attachment, which mm-hmm. can obviously turn into something else. And I think um yeah, I But you don't think that can exist with a younger male who had an absent father and now he's developed this unhealthy father figure mentality or relationship well no no no. that's not having as a father figure is not the issue it's like what you what you're saying is that develops into an emotional attachment that Mm. can turn into this because what he's saying is that you can a girl has or wait would you say a boy a a boy can have mommy issues Mm -hmm. he didn't have a mommy and because that's not being confronted help in a healthy way that can turn into, and it happens on a, mm. on a regu- very regular basis. He develops this attachment to somebody that's not his mom, but, but it's, not just, it's not just motherly. It turns into like Attraction. a romantic. Yeah. Okay. Because you don't, he doesn't know how to process mm. this, that he's been, these cards that he's been dealt. Mm-hmm. And because he's not, and, and the, the woman may not understand him, you know, like in that point of like how, like, I don't know, maybe she does, but equally like let's avoid that, you know what I mean? And yeah. vice versa, ma- males and women. I don't trust males alone with females anyway because I'm, mm. I know how males are. Yeah. And so that's just, for me, so I'm, I'm, co- I'm more cautious to be like, well, females don't need, but like, I'm super about like, and I'm not saying you can't do anything. Like, you can, like if you ride out someone on a motorcycle right now, like, I don't care. Like, you know what I mean? That's not, that's not the issue. But these, like, very intimate times alone and like, you know, excessive, like, that's just dangerous. It's not, it's not good. Yeah. No, I I was just playing devil's advocate because I agree. You know, I agree. I've seen older women, you know, even have struggle with that issue. Like someone is finally valuing their opinion and then they develop this unhealthy attachment to this teenage boy, you Mm know. Um, I mean, I've seen it happen in youth groups and, you know. But equally, that's why discipleship and community is good too. Yes, you can have a person who is your go-to person, but this needs to be, there needs to be people, even between um, men and young boys and stuff, because like, we've seen this recently, you know, we have a friend who, who just came out and talked about some stuff that he went through as a teenager mm-hmm. of, a, of a youth leader taking advantage of him, and it was just really betraying his trust, and like, it, it just is very, you know, it was presented as a discipleship relationship, and it was not that, um, maybe it was. But it turned into something else. But it, you in can't, that case, it was a same-sex discipleship right. relationship. But you can't yeah. hold the fourteen-year-old responsible for that, right? At all, ever in the history of anything. Like you can't hold him that, and so it's the adult that is the responsible party for that. But when we don't have this uh, intentional discipleship community or community discipleship, like people like that see a, a hole to flourish in. You know what I mean? And people like that because they are mature they're never confronted with their sins that's why i said in the beginning is understanding the discipleship never really like we're all being discipled we all need to grow together and you may not have someone that is right on your life discipling i would say pursue that but even but okay if you don't but understand that you are submitted to this community and that's you're a part of this church and so this is you know what i mean that they are a part of your process 
And so feeling like a superhero because you're able to give advice to this person is dangerous. Mm. And, and so keeping all this. Now, on the other side, you don't go and text the group chat of the church to all their issues and stuff. But definitely, like, there needs to be ways to include people into what's going on. It just protects everybody. You know what I mean? Just protects everybody. And, yeah, spend one-on-one time. Like, because we can't cut off discipleship completely because, you know, some people struggle with homosexuality or, or pedophilia or, you know, whatever. But, like, equally, we just put in, like, safe things and wisdom yeah. in, in, these, in these things. So I that, think one thing we think about, uh, we automatically imagine when we talk about discipleship is one-on-one. Like, you can be discipled by integrating your families. Like, you are discipling a young man. He, he comes over and spends time with the family, mm-hmm. or you go over and spend time with him and his family or his friends. Or, like, it, of, of course, it, it does include that one-on-one time where you're able to be vulnerable and, and share your struggles and ask deep questions. But it's, whenever it's only done secretly, I would say that's a red flag. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you, yeah, you're, that's a good point. I think you can have, you can have, like, not secret. You can have like pers- private time, which is necessary because that's where confession happens. But yeah, when it's only done and everything serious is only done secretly, and it's all hidden. Yeah, there's a red flag there, and so those are the downfalls of discipleship. So I think. Well, the the question was, how do we do it, right? Yeah, I I, I was maybe like as individually and even as a church, like, is there a plan for like yeah. how we the plan to tr- equip people to be disciple makers? Yeah, I, so I'll say for our church first. I think, for, and I mean, because that's my place. But I think for our church, uh, the first we definitely want to get to a place where we're all about discipleship. But to be honest, we're not there yet. It's because we talked, this is what I preached on when I went to the States last time. Is It says, uh, go and make disciples of all nations, you know, uh, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them what I've taught you. But who is he talking to when he says that? He's talking to disciples, people who are already disciples and have been disciples, like legit disciples of him for three years. And so for us, I think we're in the process of uh, pushing being disciples of Jesus at this point, you know, and it's not, we're not saying don't make disciples, but we're like, Hey, <laughs> like, let's follow the teachings of Jesus for like, what does he, what did he teach? You know? Mm-hmm. And it's not about fully learning and having all that, but just having at least a, a, a foundation mm-hmm. to be able to build on when you're going and being able to, you know, just have a basic understanding of why you're even here. You know what I mean? And like, what does Jesus mean to you? And so well, that's, I think now we are at the place of, cause a lot of times that's a mistake we make in churches. All right, disciples, 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 disciples. And people don't even, like, they don't even follow Jesus themselves. And they don't know they don't follow Jesus themselves because they don't even know what, they've never been modeled or taught that or what it looks like or walked through that. And so now we just have, like, people that were never discipled trying to make disciples. And it's hard to do. It's teaching heresy. Yeah, teaching yeah, yeah, false yeah unintentionally. Yeah. Because you're teaching some, someone to be something. That, it's like me giving pilot, you want your pilot's license? Oh, come on, I'll teach you how to fly a plane. Dude, I've never flown a plane in my life. I've written in a plane a lot that doesn't count. You know what I mean? And so it's like, it's the same thing. And so uh, in our church right now, we're at that place where we want to. And then, and we're, that's where we're doing a whole series on community. It's like 12, 13 week series on community. It's called us. And it's just about commu- the community of God. And like, what is that? What does that look like? What does that mean? What are the expectations of this? And this, the whole point of this is so that we can love one another because you can't disciple anybody until you love one another because if they know us by our love, but we're not loving one another, then they won't know us. And if they don't know us and we're supposed to be as ambassadors here, then they won't know him. Mm-hmm. And so that discipleship doesn't happen without this community and without this, us loving one another and having this. And so we're pushing that first. And on top of that, hopefully we'll start to see more discipleship, more conf- 
an open community where people confess their sins one to another, where people feel have confidence in one another and, and are willing and, and um, are able and willing uh, and even eager to confront our own sins and secret stuff and our traumas of the past and whatever. And so we're kind of like trying to cultivate that environment now so that it becomes the norm. And so when new people come in and there have been new people coming in, that girl came back. I thought she wasn't going to come back. Oh, what's her name's friend? Yeah. Anyways, um, uh, so we have new people coming in. It can be the norm for them because those of us who have gone to church for years and years and years and this hasn't been the norm, we're having to backtrack and relearn a bunch of things. But now we do that so that when new people comes in, come, come in, the, the process of discipleship can be automatic. You know what I mean? Not automatic, like in the sense of, oh, we don't have to worry. But, but like that's the culture that we have is mm-hmm. discipleship, confession, being open. And it's okay to talk about our weaknesses. It's okay to not be blessed and highly favored all the time. You know what I mean? Like, okay, let's confront that because you can't see. And that's what we talked about yesterday with Jesus. Jesus says he refers to himself as a doctor or whatever who needs a sick or who needs a doctor, the sick or the well. And you don't go to the doctor until you accept the fact that something's off. And so just getting to that place to where people are okay and not embarrassed to say, oh, something's off. I need to confess this. I need to seek. Help me. Take me to the doctor. Like the men who took... The, the, their friend to Jesus and lowered him through the roof, you know, mm-hmm. like we want to be those types of friends. We want to be that type of uh, uh, congregation to where, yeah, we can't fix the problem, but we know who can. And so we take you. You're not too ashamed to say, oh, I'm crippled. And like, eh, ne- you know what? I've never seen you walk. I've known you for 20 years and I've never seen you walk. Um, I just be tired. Like, no, that's, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's the same. <laughs> that's the same thing. And it's like, no, nah, I'm crippled. Mm-hmm. Like, we'll, we'll get to the point to where we can say that I'm crippled. <laughs> I'm crippled. And like, so I'm crippled and do you want to walk? Yes, I want to walk and maybe we'll pray with you and whatever. And it doesn't, but it, okay, it didn't work, but we know who can heal you of that. And then we're not talking about even physical healing. We're obviously just the example yeah. of spiritual wholeness and because that's really the goal. And so when we get to that, then uh, I think we want to, and again, it, it all, there's not, it's not really stages. It, there's a flow. And so, but that's where we start. And the flow of that is to uh, have what you referred to as natural discipleship but the way it really should be mm-hmm. is where we just we love jesus so much man and we love each other so much because we love jesus so much and we understand the grace that we've been given that we i mean obviously we don't deserve it and so we extend that grace to everyone that comes to these doors and we are patient and we we pursue people and we love people we forgive people and when we argue we argue well and we come back and we seek forgiveness and then we stand together and we worship with one another and we pray together we want that to be where we live because that's when discipleship happens you know and so when we have that group of people that do that, which is possible, we've come to the place where we make it like, oh, that's just not realistic anymore. But it is realistic. Mm-hmm. We've been empowered to live this life with the Holy Spirit. Like that's, that's who lives inside of us. And we've been empowered to live like this. And so when we live like this, this is the, the effects of that are multi-generational, multi-ethnic, multicultural, multi-jobs. Uh, what is it called? multi <laughs> You know what I'm talking about, but multi-tax bracket, like discipleship on every level of people seeing one another in equality, not with pity and all this other stuff. And when you see people, if you are a multimillionaire heart surgeon that is the best in South America, but you see the guy who is between jobs and lives in a shack as equal and you go to him for prayer and stuff, something breaks there. 
And so now he, like, he feels important, and not in himself, but in this community and who Jesus is, and he feels the love of God in that, and it produces results, and it opens things up, and it opens the relationship up to now where I can talk to you, I can confess to you, and vice versa. We count on one another, we lean on one another, and we need, and so that's the community we're supposed to live in. So like, and then discipleship happens there. And so when that transformation happens there, now it doesn't, you don't turn it off on Sunday at, at 12 o'clock or 11 o'clock when we end service. You are that person and you're, re, you're kind of recharged. And we don't build up to Sunday as the climax of the week. We, we launch out from Sunday. And so Sunday and when that stuff happens, our small groups or whatever that we're going to do this year, all that stuff, when that happens, we launch back out into our own worlds and we are seeking and building relationships and loving people, right? Loving even our enemies. We're loving people and all this other stuff. We are beacons of hope in every area that we live in. And we lo- we're looking for opportunities, definitely looking for opportunities to love people, connect people, share Jesus with these people. Uh, we're patient and we pursue people. And so discipleship happens there. And so there's some people who are healthy believers who go to their church and stuff and they're discipled and stuff within their church groups or events or whatever. And just relationships, I should say, better church relationships. But then they go to their job and they're discipling people at their job and the people at their job don't even know it yet. Mm-hmm. And so it's this process that starts. And so that's what, for me, that's what my hope for our church is. It's not secret or covert. It's overt, but it doesn't, I don't see the necessity for you to go to work and be like, hey, Bill, you've been cheating on your wife for six months. Let me disciple you. I mean, maybe. That's, I mean, that's not invalid, but equally like, man, Bill, you're going through a rough time. Let's go. Hey, what are you doing for dinner? You're coming, you know, and just starting to really build with Bill. And Bill, I mean, sharing the love of Jesus, but also the gospel of Jesus with Bill. Because the love of Jesus apart from the gospel of Jesus is not the love of Jesus. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so like doing both of those with Bill. Again, not force feeding him, but really demonstrating to him and explaining to him why we are the way we are. Explaining to him that there is hope for people like you who have messed up time and time and time again. You feel so far away from Jesus and it feels impossible that God would love and forgive someone like you, but he will. But, you know, and so that that's for me, that's what our our what I would like our discipleship in our church to look like is just a legitimate community of people who legitimately love Jesus and are intentional about uh, loving people, not just to look on the church, but loving people because of who we are, not based off of who they are, but who we are and who Jesus is in, inside of us and who he's made us to be loving people based off of that and taking advantage of every opportunity to love them at a deeper level, an eternal level and sharing with them the hope that we the eternal hope that we have, you know. And so for me, that's my hope for discipleship. And that's that's the way that I personally do discipleship is I build relationships with people. And it's just who like I mean, how many we talk about sports, we talk about movies, we talk about whatever. But then we also between us, we have conversations that are serious about Jesus, too. And like just kind of check on each other and whatever. And like for me, that's what I feel like it should look like. And so I have some of these guys in the neighborhood, some of them I haven't seen forever, but like we'll have, when we see each other, we have these conversations about, you know, everybody wants to shoot the breeze at first, but then we get into deeper stuff. But then, you know, we, we just have these, it's not, I'm not just confrontational over, over just things that I see that they do wrong or whatever. Like I'm, you know, just want to be present, but present and hopeful and, and, and gospel centered. And you know what I mean? That sturdy, what am I trying to say? That, um, like a dependable person, you know what I mean? Like when people feel hopeless, they can go to that person and talk to that person yeah. and seek advice. But equally, we seek and pursue them and like, hey, how you doing? Where you been? What's going on? Like what, you know, because you've earned that because of your friendship, yeah. you've earned that position in their life. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so you have that equity built up in people. And that's the thing, too, is I think like 
evangelism is great, but it doesn't mean anything apart from discipleship and vice versa. They're, they're hand in hand. And a lot of times we want to take one or the other and it doesn't work like that. Um, but evangelism without discipleship is simple because I just go on the street and I can just talk about Jesus and then I can go. But I don't have to be really patient with people as they have a gazillion questions for a year. Well, what is Jesus? And they're even challenging. Well, it doesn't even make sense to me. And like, we don't have the patience for that. But that's what discipleship is, is being patient enough to build that relationship with these people to where, you know, answering questions and, and responding and being able to really explain the faith, you know, like, yes, it can be, it's logical as well. It's definitely spiritual and beyond logic, but it's equally logical as well. It makes sense. Like, you know, why do we need salvation? That can be easily explained, you know? And so, like, and so just being present for everything that that person needs and, like, really uh, kind of holding their hand and walking them through the process of discipleship to conversion and then continuing the process of discipleship, you know? Does that make sense? Yeah. Yep. I was going to say, um, what's your opinion on, say you're discipling someone, and they move church or they move city. Do you then have a responsibility to see them off onto someone else? Whew. Or do you keep that relationship going? I mean, I, it would, ideally, I, it would be both, right? Mm. Um, but that's, you go ahead. Because well, we talk about discipleship as doing, doing life with people. Because mm -hmm. I think this is where sometimes uh, missionaries might fall short is we do have a very strong focus on evangelism. Mm-hmm. Rightly so. We don't throw out evangelism just to do discipleship, like you were saying. We don't mm -hmm. throw out discipleship just to do evangelism. But you see some missionaries, they don't even have home churches. Mm. Um, and so it's like, okay, how can you yeah, no. truly discipleship, disciple someone if you don't yourself have a home church? Because now you're, you might be, oh, yeah, I'm discipling so-and-so. But yeah. your teaching might be different to the teaching he's receiving on a Sunday morning. Your, your viewpoint no. might be different. And so like, okay, that doesn't work. No. Um, and so, yeah, like we talk about it, doing life with someone. So let's take... Let's take Joao, for example, mm -hmm. in our church. Mm -hmm. It's say we start discipling, shit, dis discipling him now, mm -hmm. and we work for him, we walk for him. He leaves for Santa Cruz next mm -hmm. year to study. Obviously, that's a different situation because he's studying, so we want to be there for him. We want to support Absolutely. him. We want to but, continue walking through that with him. But we're not in Santa Cruz. We can't yeah. be doing the day-to-day -day life with him. So yeah. that we have then, would you say we then have the responsibility to helping him find... The church, or just like, where does that come? Did you get it, what I'm trying it, to yeah, say? Yeah, yeah, no, I do. Like, <laughs> responsibility. I mean, yeah, pass it, him on? if we can, if yeah. if we can, I mean, and that, that that's a great point. I don't even think it's a question. I think it's a point. Is that, yeah, like, I mean, if we, if it's not always possible, right? Mm. And so at that point, if again, let's go to 50 to 70 years ago, like that wasn't happening. It was gone. Like, we'll pray for you, yeah. and like, I mean, we just can't. I'll write you a letter and you'll get it three months after I write it. And so, you, you know what I mean? You're going through a complete, you might be married by the time I'm writing you about, you know what I mean, dating. And you're, you know what I mean? Like, it's so, um, but now we do have the capability to be able to do that stuff. And so, yeah, definitely staying in touch with these people for sure and kind of guiding them because regardless of who they find or, or go, where church they go to there, they're going to trust you because that's who they have the relationship with. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think even, I mean, always walk with them, but like definitely specifically like in depth for a time of like them filling out new churches and stuff and just being make, making sure that we're active in his life and that, hey, how'd it go? Hey, what is it? What is the, what did they, would they have a website? You know what I mean? Like definitely like, because it is like kind of, it's not parenting, you know, because I mean? that seems insulting in a sense, but it, but it is in a good way. Mm. You know what I mean? It's like, you just want to make sure that their they're spiritual uh, life is being taken care of and stuff because yeah. that's something that we we're going to see probably a lot unfortunately yeah. 
a lot of these guys are gonna they're gonna want to go to study in other places and and I, to be quite frank a lot of them may not come back mm. if we can do the john perkins stuff and get people to come back and stuff like that that'd be great but like the reality on paper is that a lot of them may not come back and so that's actually a great question because it's not like well it's been good these past three years. Have a good life. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. And the, but equally, like, super hesitant and protective about, yeah. like, just, oh, I heard this church was good. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, just sending yeah. them off to some random place. And, like, well, they talk to him. But, yeah, if they're a part of a church, they should be able to count on their pastor mm -hmm. and stuff and talk to him. We should encourage that. So it's a very, it's a very, it's a great question. And I think a very touchy point that kind of goes, yeah. like, I really didn't answer your question. But. Yeah, no, because I think I've. Like you're saying, it is definitely something that we're going to go through in the next few years because we have teenage, we have teenage guys at our church who are approaching studying age, university mm -hmm. age. So they are going to leave and mm -hmm. they're going to go and they're going to study. I mean, all of a sudden you're going to have this, like the emptiness syndrome, mm -hmm. I guess, as a parent. Yeah. You're going to be like, what are they up to? Who are they talking Absolutely. to? And you're going to have this, like, I want to control everything that he's doing. Mm -hmm. But equally, I'm not in Santa Cruz yeah. right now. So it's like, yeah, yeah, I need to be there for him. I need to be supporting them. Yeah. Um, but equally, you hope and pray that he's able to find someone in Santa Cruz who yeah. he can continue to do life with and, and walk with. And yeah, but I think even I think it's even worth it to fly over there or oh, take a bus over, yeah. spend time with them, and visit like visit churches with them yeah, if yeah. that's what you know what I mean. Not every it can be excessive, obviously, but like yeah, yeah like let you know definitely like definitely having that. Yeah, that's a that's a great and then but just kind of seeking like that's part of the I guess that's part of the discipleship process too is seeing where this is where the life is going like, okay what mm. are you thinking like you want to study this and then what do you want to stay here do you want to and they, they might they won't know immediately but you're just asking them to get them thinking about that yeah so that you can kind of see and help them along their you know help them along their walk and plan a little bit better going forward you know what I mean yeah yeah um and so yeah no that's a that's a great question because yeah we're going to be confronted with that pretty soon uh I have seen um, I have seen long distance, I guess, discipleship actually be very, be beneficial. I'm not saying it should replace, uh, in-person, you know, relationship, yeah. but I've seen you do it for years. You know, yeah. when, when we left Bolivia, you were still discipling people <laughs> over the WhatsApp or Facebook and, and, and you wouldn't be, it, when I say discipleship, I don't mean like you're like opening up to the book of first Thessalonians, mm. you know, it's, it's that people, like you said, you've invested in the person and they, yeah, they the trust, trust that you will lead them in a situation to Jesus or you mm -hmm. will have hope for them in this situation. or and, and they won't share with anyone around them. But it's like, that's not, one, it's, you're not to blame for that, you mm -hmm. know. But, but two, you still do take on the responsibility that they came to me um, as they usually do if I was in person, usually would have if I was there with them. And, and then even so now, like you disciple people long distance via FaceTime. And, mm. But I think that just depends on how vulnerable the, the person is with you. Like, are they really telling you their true life story right now? Or are they like hiding things from yeah. you and only presenting the good stuff, you know? And that's the benefit of having gotten to know them and be around them for a long time. You yeah. know what I mean? And uh, yeah, I think, yeah, I mean, and I think we should encourage them to be a part of, I mean, I know we should encourage them to be part of a church, but prayer is a big key in that too. And just really trusting that, you know, the Holy Spirit will convict them and direct them and guide them and lead them and, and then, you know, that, and then also WhatsApp, like send a messages, you know what I mean? Like it goes both in, and then just trusting, trusting the gospel, the, the gospel seeds that have been planted in their lives, you mm -hmm. know? 
that they'll like grow and and, and they'll, they'll bear fruit like you know and they'll they'll continue to bear fruit bear fruit bear fruit and continue to follow Jesus and, and we will check up and whatever. And then, like you said, it can become like secretive and whatever. But at that point, I mean, they're adults and that's kind of on them. Like, you know what I mean? It's yeah. like Judas did what he wanted at the end of the day. It's not Jesus's fault, you know, like yeah. Jesus did everything. And then some that he could at the end of the day, though, like they make their decisions and stuff. So I think just being present uh, on a biblical level, not just a physical level is, you know, it goes a long, long way. But yeah, it starts now, right? Like, because if he leaves in like February, March, like we've already been building a relationship with them, but it just really like can intensify that over these next mm-hmm. few months and even just be straight up with them about like, hey, we want to continue our relationship uh, when you go. We just want to be present for you and be able to pray with you and talk about different like, you know, and I think just setting the tone for that of being, you know, transparent in your intentions with them. Um, I think it goes along, especially with kids like him, man. He's mm-hmm. a good kid, you know, so I think with kids like him will go a long way and um yeah, I think he'll be open and stuff, you know. But that's the importance, too, of creating this open community where it's not taboo mm-hmm. to confess your sins one to another, yeah. you know, to where, like, that becomes the norm. So much so that when he goes to a church and doesn't see that happening, it's like, oh, yeah, I don't want to go here. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so it's it, – but it is tough. It is like the kid's leaving the nest or whatever, and so you're kind of, like, <laughs> you know, looking, like, hoping that they make the right decisions. It's yeah. probably what our parents think about all the time, you know what yeah. I mean? Like – and so I do that now with one of the girls who who is a teenager now. You know, we saw her grow from basically like a preteen to mm-hmm. now a, a young lady, and it's just yeah. like got my eyes on you and yeah. all the boys around you. Every time she posts on, oh yeah, I don't play that stuff. <laughs> we went to the. Are you? When you went to? Your, I tell you about this. We went to the football game, no. and these boys were ogling over, and this dude came and like I was sitting next to her, and then Ruth was sitting on the other side because we're watching you guys play or whatever the church football game, and this guy comes sitting next to her and is all in her. And I turned around, he's sitting in the chair. I was like, and he's like, you want me to get up? I was like, yeah, get up. <laughs> his eyes got all big and whatever. And then he's like leaning over, like touching her hair and stuff. Like he's standing behind her. And I just like stared him down. Like, bro, if you don't, I told her, I was like, I was this close. Like, and she's laughing. Cause like, like now nah, we ain't, we're not playing that stuff. Like not because it's a boy, but because his approach was wrong. Like, you know, we can't say don't, don't talk to boys. Like that's absurd. But like his approach was wrong and it, it just reeked of, wrong motives you know but uh, but equally her not saying anything shows that there is oh, a space right there to to a teachable moment like you need to you can set yeah. boundaries no you know? but that's that's what society tell and that's again the importance of discipleship is because society is telling them that getting attention from boys is good like in that way mm-hmm. even if it's an unhealthy way getting this attention from boys that's why we have all these little young pregnant girls running around, you know, and stuff like that. Girls with babies now and stuff running around is like in our in our community is because of that. It's like they've been taught by society that attention from boys is the goal and like looking cute and pretty and was it flirty and all that. Mm-hmm. Is the, and like, no, nah, no, nah, you're made for more, you know, and so like let's, you know, pursue that in that way. And that's why it's important to spend time with these kids and stuff, you know. Yeah. And to not just to beat them down, but like to really like, you know, kind of earn their trust and to be able to, have real conversations with them on a deep level. And so they can understand why stuff works too, you know? They don't understand like a lot of, like why we don't, why we do, why you don't flirt, why you don't, why it's not, you know, they don't understand that stuff because no one's ever explained it to them, you know? So, yeah. Man, you guys are the worst at ending <laughs> that. Like literally just go silent out of nowhere. Like you just said something and then like, boom, it's gone. He just asked something and it up. Questions answered. I guess it's over. <laughs> I think that this uh, 
was a good topic because as a ministry, we, you know, we, that is part of our, our mission. That is our mission, you know, to make disciples and, um, bring restoration to the broken. It's like, you don't just walk up to someone, lay your hands on their forehead and boom, they're restored, you know, but they once were broken. Like that is yeah. all part of a discipleship process. And, and, and maybe people have questions like, well, what does that even look like? Oh, it sounds cute, but uh, I don't know that they're really doing what they say they're doing. Yeah. It's like realizing that it is a long lifelong process. Yeah. Not something you see very quick results. <laughs> it is. Yeah. It is. It is. Yeah, but that's who we are as believers, you know, that's who we're supposed to be, and that's, that's literally how we build his kingdom. We don't, I mean, praise and worship is good, but that's not how we build his kingdom. Yeah. That's not, you know, it's it's just not, like, all that stuff. Like, going to church is great and necessary, but that's not, just going to church is not how, mm. that's not, you know what I mean? And so. And I, I think also somewhere along the way we've made um like christianity our personal relationship with the lord and it's like as long as me and god face to face prayer time alone time yeah. secret closet secret room you know yeah. everything is so me 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 and god it's it's been distorted because who's discipling you who well, are you discipling if it's just you and god we've made we've made it private right our relationship yeah. with god it's personal our relationship with god is personal but it's not private mm-hmm. and that's we've made it private and so that means, oh, you're not, <laughs> you guys don't need to know. It's, yeah, it's between me and God and whatever. I mean, and I was not... even taught as a kid, like, to, to avoid debate, don't talk about politics or religion. And it's like, how are you a Christian and you're never going to talk about your faith because I, I want to live in peace with people, you know, no, no debates, no, yeah, no arguing, no tension. That doesn't make sense to me because, like, this is the place where we're supposed to be able to discuss everything, especially from a biblical perspective. So what you're saying is there's some things in life I just can't talk about at church. Like what? So what you're saying is I can talk about it with my unsafe friends, but not with my church. Friends. Like that's that's backwards. Mm-hmm. I think we should be able to talk about everything mm-hmm. in church. And that's what we talk about in our church. Like that's the way our approach to stuff is we feel like we should be able to talk about everything. And so, you know, we approach this. Well, yeah, we talk about politics. We don't support candidates and stuff, but we talk about politics and church um, you know, there's literally everything. What is it that we can't talk? I mean, why is there all things that are off? It doesn't make sense. Yeah. Like golden calf, much maybe. Maybe. Untouchable. Tough, yeah, I don't know. But the, there should be nothing that within this community that we can't talk about, you know. So anyway, so, go ahead. <laughs> no, I was just saying so. So I didn't sound like I just went mute on you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, no, I'm used to it at this point. That's why I said so anyways. Using my good old fillers. Yeah. Well, thank you much for listening. We um, hope that you enjoyed this episode uh, of the podcast. No, thanks for listening. Uh, have uh, fun on this election day. And uh, you've know, you know who won at this point, but your hope is in Jesus. And don't let go of that. Uh, go into all the nations and make disciples. Or go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. Uh, yeah, so we hope you enjoy. Have a great week. Provecho.